Welcome to the Self-Help Coaching Podcast, where insights, attitudes, and methods for success get illuminated. Learn what leaders and change workers have done and are doing now to create magnificent futures. We interview great guests who inspire you to overcome obstacles and achieve your goals. Be sure you visit our website at self-helpcoaching.com. While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now, just relax as you listen. You can do something else, but be ready to make an important note. And let's get started. The title of this interview is Meet Chad Price, the fitness entrepreneur. Business is his sport. We'll be talking about entrepreneurship and fitness, health, and wellness minority Black-owned businesses. So who is Chad Price? Well, he is a veteran American entrepreneur across multiple industries. He brings an extensive knowledge of the sports industry and a wide range of experiences in all aspects of fitness and wellness and wellness entrepreneurship. That's great stuff. Welcome, Chad. Hi, nice to meet you. Thanks for having me. I love entrepreneurialism. To me, entrepreneurialism, I mean, the American dream is quite subjective. Some people just want to work and be an employee. Fine. But to me, entrepreneurialism is the real American dream where a person has a unique vision, takes risk personally, and they either make it or they don't. To me, that's the epitome. I, I love, I'm all about entrepreneurialism. Yeah, no, definitely. I think um, <clears throat> it's definitely a shared spirit, I think, amongst, amongst all entrepreneurs when it comes to kind of the, the grind that it takes and the, the perseverance of just kind of putting everything on your back and and putting your life in your hands, so to speak. Let me tell you, right now, I'm launching an app. It's going to be a revolutionary app in personal development. I've literally been at it over eight years. The company, I was a life coach. Now I'm the head of the technological coaching company. Uh, and we're going to launch this app called Proficio. It's going to be a game changer for personal development. The co- we've been at it four and a half years with the company. Still haven't launched because we're undercapitalized. Sometimes I get so frustrated, I even get ideas of suicide, which I quickly dismiss. That's how, because it's freaking hard, man. It's hard, especially if, you know, you don't, you you have certainly certain parameters, you know, but it's, why do I persist? You know, I wanted to quit many times because I so believe in both the vision, the product and myself that I'm, I wouldn't say compelled to go forward, but I was like, I've got to do this. I must do this. It's worth whatever I'm risking. That's the way I feel about it. Yeah, no, for sure. I think that I think that's the the spirit that's inside of you. It's there's there's almost like the, there's a an ambition that that you can't you can't get rid of. So when you, when you wake up in the morning, it's not about necessarily the money. It's about achieving that goal or that vision that you that you have in your head. You're trying to bring into reality. Absolutely. I don't even have any money goals about it. I have all the numbers goals don't have to do with money. There's number of users. There's, you know, diff- different part, different, uh, you know, uh, mathematics, different statistics uh, and, but not money, you know, to me, money, yeah, I want, I want, you know, I like to be rich. As a matter of fact, the more I looked at my business and the more I saw how many zeros I could add to it, I'm like, Oh, that's cool. That's great. But that's not what it's about. It's really about, doing things my way you know that's for me yeah, yeah for sure uh yeah, like i said I, th- I think it's really taking taking control of your own destiny i think that's it's it's so self-fulfilling and it gives you uh it gives you the ability to kind of work every day 
on a vision that you that you a vision that you see the world as. So you know, rather than going to a nine to five and kind of focusing on a company's vision or someone else's vision, you really get to uh, create your own vision every day. Absolutely, and I think a big part of it for me is that obviously everyone has different strengths and weaknesses. Uh, what I do in my business is that, okay, what are my strengths? These are the things that I want to all put every one of them into my business, into my vision. So I make, so to me, the business is a direct reflection of me. This is me. The Proficio is my, my product. Auxilium is my company. That is Tony Petroza. And, and, and if, I, if it succeeds, then Tony Petroza is the success. If it fails, sorry to say, Tony Petroza is the failure. And I don't say that in a negative way. I mean, accountability, take responsibility way. But all the strengths that I have, I can bring to bear in this, in this pursuit. I love that. I don't leave anything out. I just go yeah. for it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, to me, that's like, that's what I loved about sports is you kind of leave it all on the field. So regardless whether you win or you lose, it's, you know, you, you went for it and, and you took your shot, you know, uh, in college, we used to play UT when I went to Rice in college. And I think everyone knew we weren't going to win the game. But still, after the game, you have that sense of accomplishment. Even though you lost the game, you still have that sense of, you know, leaving everything out there, trying your hardest, com competing, uh, you know, at a high level for, for our team goal. I think that's that's what really gives you that fulfillment. I, in, when my younger years, I was quite an athlete. I, was, you know, I played football. I played basketball. I played baseball. And I, and I, and giving it all in that, in sports is, I think, and for me, you know, my, in my experience as a young person, that was where, where it was at. That was what it was all about, you know, and obviously you're new to the, the world. You know, I'm a young person. And of course, sports is not limited to just young people. You, uh, I don't, you made a career at it. Would you just say you made a career at it? Cause I know you're in business now. So, yeah, I mean. I, I think so. I think I definitely pulled from, uh, you know, my my resources and my network and the experiences I had, you know, playing competitive sports my entire life. Um, I think I probably learned more from just the actual kind of team camaraderie and and building groups of people to achieve goals. I think I really learned a lot uh, about how to do that and how to put good teams together, what makes, uh, you know, cohesive teams and teams that can kind of uh, have a, a passion beyond just the, the monetary um, aspects of a business or whatever operation that you're trying to achieve. So I think I definitely pull from it, but you know, <clears throat> I'm always trying to learn. I think that's one of the other things about uh, me in general. I think, you know, going to Rice and having uh, that kind of mentality where no matter what I'm doing, I'm trying to be more proficient at it every day. So even if it's that, that's just one step at a time, one inch at a time, I'm, I'm trying to master whatever I'm currently in. Um, when it came to like, you know, starting my fitness company, I didn't know much about the equipment that I was starting, but I knew a lot about exercise and I knew a lot about uh, finding people who did know a lot about the types of equipment. So really building that network of people that I can rely on, that are credible, that I can kind of pull the best resources available in the world um, to, to really bring something together for a community. That's, of course, I relate completely. You know, I, I was a life coach and I'm, I'm creating a business and I, I have this 
you know, you're looking at the next Steve Jobs, all right, Chad? Right, I'm gonna, my my company's gonna be bigger than Apple, all right? And, and but you know, I, I most of my businesses have failed, uh, you know, and um, and I what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna hire people who are much much smarter than me and much much more proficient than me in running biz my business, but. I, I play a necessary part too. Not that their parts are not necessary. They are just as necessary, but it starts with the visionary, right? It starts and I, and there's a certain expertise or a certain thing that I bring to the table, especially as a founder, uh, which is necessary without that, that initial, that touchstone, it just doesn't happen, but it's, and you, and we don't have to run the stuff. You delegate, you create a staff, you create a business that knows how to run itself and grow. Great. But, but as but you don't have to be that businessman. I mean, in, in terms of having all these business skills, certainly there's a million things to be done. You're one person, right? <laughs> it's gonna take a lot of people. But you, but the thing that you a person, entrepreneur has to bring forward is the passion, the vision. You already said these things. They and uh, so uh some sort of expertise, you know. So you're you're an athlete. Uh, me, I'm a coach. I've created a technological coaching company, which is really, it's a novel thing per se. Um, but you, the, the individual has to bring him or herself forward. And then if it's good enough, it'll attract, right? You you can get to a certain level of prosperity where you can create the business, delegate, and it'll, it'll, hopefully it'll work itself out. And you said a couple other keywords too that I want to, that resonated with me. I wrote it down. Camaraderie and teamwork. I was in, I was, I played those team sports, like I mentioned. And then I also joined the 82nd Airborne Division. I was an infantryman. It was not much different than being on a sports team. <laughs> much more dangerous, I tell you. <laughs> uh, you know, much, much more dangerous. Harsher consequences. <laughs> but it was, but it's about working with a team, not all about me. Yeah, I got my part to play, and my part sh shouldn't be me giving 100%. But it's not all about me. It's not, a, and if I'm, if I shine, I, I should shine, share the spotlight, you know, being the, the, the one is, is the group, you know, I'm one in the group, but the group is the one that's, that was a critical thing for me that was instilled in me starting from my young athleticism and then later in my military. And now as I create my business. I mean, even when I was growing up, I like I love individual sports. Uh, you know, I, I love I love all sports. So <laughs> growing up, I pretty much played every sport that existed. But I really love the team sport, and I really love when everyone was really motivated to achieve something. So um, <clears throat> I think you know I tell people all the time we won we won state when I was in high school, and I think I'm still trying to chase that rush sometimes because that team was just so well built, like. We, we care so much about achieving whatever goal we put forth that we could leave everything else in life behind for that moment in time to, to just be super competitive in that space. And uh, I'm always trying to build a team with that, with that level of passion where everyone on the team is just there, fully committed, able to compete at the highest level and, and feel empowered and, and uh, supported by the rest of their team in order to do that. You know, I'm a practitioner of NLP, neuro-linguistic programming, which is a form of psychology that focuses on how people think. And we're very perceptive to you, to the entire human. And I saw when you talked about uh, being both an individual athletic uh, athlete, as well as a team player athlete, 
how affected you were. I heard it in your voice and I saw it in your face and your body language, how much it meant to you now. And that was, that affected me. It was great for me to see that, to see, look at this guy's authentic self, how meaningful what he's sharing with us is about and how you, now you bring it as a, as your career as a businessman. That's great, bro. I, I really appreciate that, man. Thank you very much. No, no, I mean, I, I like I say, I, I, um, I, t I still keep in touch with everyone I play sports with now. Um, and even some of the, you know, business partners in the, the, the network that I built is from those relationships and, and those kind of times that you go through with, with teams. And so, now I'm able to build business teams and we go through our own adversity and, you know, have our own challenges to go through that builds us. And so I have, you know, even beyond my company, I kind of have built a small network of business professionals that I work with now that I still get to compete in the very same way. It's just kind of a different playing field. Great stuff. Let's take a moment to hear from our sponsor and we'll come right back with Chad Price, sports entrepreneur. This episode of Self-Help Coaching is brought to you by Proficio. When people learn something, they want to use it so it has real value. And the best teacher is experienced. Visit www.proficio.io. That's P-E-R-F-I-C-I-O dot I-O, where Proficio will have you taking action with what you're learning immediately. You'll be closer to your goals before you even realize it. Well, listening to the Self-Help Coaching Podcast with me, your host, Tony Petrozo. We're having such an interesting conversation with Chad Price about being an entrepreneur, especially being a, a, a sports entrepreneur. And we, we talked about a lot of the, about, you know, the, the, the path to becoming an entrepreneur, but let's talk about becoming an entrepreneur. What strengths can an athlete bring to entrepreneurship and startup culture? Um, I think it's I think it's quite a bit. I mean, I think especially if you've ever um, really tried to play athletics competitively, I think you understand that you know there's winners and losers in in the world. There's winners and losers in any competition. So whenever you're trying to you know achieve a goal i think you you have to kind of set yourself up to basically be held accountable for you know how you're going about that so you know if you're trying to get into sales or you're you know you're trying to get into uh technology then i think you should be comparing yourself to the best that's out there and trying to structure some type of plan to get to that level so um you know, in sports, you're going to look at the number one teams and what they're doing in the offseason and try to match those things. And I think it's no different in business. You don't, I think you start with that same mentality of really preparing yourself for the competitive playing field. And if you take that mindset, I think you just inevitably get better every day. Absolutely. Now, my, my new uh, icons are all business people. So that's what I look at. I look at, you know, what they did, not, not necessarily to emulate them, but to be inspired by them and to also learn from them uh, and especially overcoming adversity. I already mentioned the kind of difficulty that I had because that's what I've got to give up. I've got to get through because it ain't over until you give up. Once you give up, then it's over, but not until then. Yeah. yeah no, and that's the beauty of it is, you know, I, I compare it to your health and wellness journey, your, your fitness journey personally, 
you you never it's never too late to start it's never too late to get better you know if you if you take one step in the right direction every day and you set your goals and you keep you keep chipping away at them eventually you'll get there so um in business you know there's ups and downs and wins and losses but you learn probably more from the losses than you do from the wins a lot of times just because it's inevitable that you will see the same type of problems in the future you'll be able to avoid them and basically get more efficient as you go along. What what are your current businesses that you're in? Um, I have a, several businesses right now. So my most notable business is Kettlebell Kings, which is the fitness company that specializes in kettlebell equipment and basically anything around the, the kettlebell. So we try to see ourselves as kind of like the kettlebell, uh, let's say the, the ESPN of the kettlebell world as well so we, so the we, kettlebell is a, a weight that's used in weightlifting a specific kind of weight yeah it's basically a fitness equipment piece of fitness equipment um you can imagine it it's a you know a cannonball with a horseshoe on top or a handle right. on top and you know you use that weight in tons of different ways it's right. a super efficient way to work out especially for someone who has limited space or um, is really looking looking for functional fitness versus you know let's say bodybuilding, but it could be it can still be used, but it's used by you know pro athletes, uh, Olympians. It can be used for bodybuilding as well. So really, we specialize in using that tool to build a community that uh, really focuses on health and wellness. So it's about a health and wellness journey, and the kettlebell is kind of that centerpiece that brings the community together. Now that I think about it, it may be the most diverse weight. There is because of that handle, you can use it count so many different ways. So many, so many different ways, and not to mention it, you can use it in other ways that you can't use. Let's say a dumbbell. So yeah. because the weight is distributed um, kind of at the bottom, it's very very bottom heavy. Uh, it basically makes you use a lot more of your muscles to keep it in balance as, mm -hmm. as you're using it. So you're going to be using a lot more. Um, momentum and flowing type movements which are more which translate more naturally to functionality in the real world so you know if you're lifting a shopping bag you're not holding a strict curl or a strict bicep you're more swinging that shopping bag right. like you would and so it really changed uh, trains those long chains of muscle groups to to function effectively yeah that you know that's you making custom workouts rather than you know these traditional rigid workouts with weights you know or or aerobics but being more creative or or being using a plan from very innovative people like yourself you know i really the idea of working out with a kettlebell really that's it's exciting it sounds like there's so much more i can do especially in a small space that use different muscles that standard you know or you know conventional motions just don't get to yeah, exactly. And what makes it beautiful is, you know, the internet kind of connects us all together. So we can really build a network of people and trainers that use the kettlebell in so many different ways. So, you know, we have people who would use the kettlebell, what you consider hard style or, um, you know, more strict kettlebell usage. And then you have kettlebell sport, which is completely longevity and maximum efficiency when you're training. And then you also have fun things like kettlebell juggling where people are flipping the kettlebell and, and twirling it in different different ways like that. So there's there's so many different ways that you can use this tool. And I think the beauty in it is everyone can kind of have their own custom journey with it. 
It's something that, you know, you can have, it doesn't take up much space in your home and it's gonna last longer than you. So it's, it's one of those things that I think everybody can have kind of their own small section of kettlebells that they use as their personal tool for fitness and wellness. Now, moving on a bit, uh, your staff uh, hinted to me that, you know, of course you have a, a diverse, you have some diversity in your businesses. So I'll just ask the question outright. Uh, what is the business landscape like for hemp products as they're marketed to minority communities? Sure. Um, yeah. So my other business is Life Grows Green, which is a, a, I would call it a lifestyle brand that we make kind of health and wellness products right now, but more, more products that are plant derived and we really want to kind of change the stigma on, especially like hemp and cannabis and things like that. So really taking whatever kinds of, um, you know, tinctures or salves or whatever types of products that we can develop from these plants. Uh, we want to make them as federal as federally legal and, you know, able to ship basically internationally and nationally. Uh, when it comes to kind of how it affects us in, in the hemp space for, especially if you're talking about the, the minority community or the, the African-American community, it's, it's just very hard to start these types of companies because there's no consensus on regulation, even, you know, even from the, the, the terminology that's able to be used or the language that's used around certain things. It's all up for interpretation by different, um, not only platforms that you, that you would typically you know, advertise on or sell on, but then also by different jurisdictions, whether that's, you know, uh, different counties in, in the same state, the different states, the, the federal versus the, the state regulations. And, and so it's just, it's kind of just a, a cluster right now of different ideas. And the worst part about it is no one's really an expert in the plant itself. So you're, you're kind of stuck going with an ever-changing landscape of people who don't really know what they're talking about making regulations and, and, and rules around how things can work. So there's a lot of complexity and there could be criminal repercussions even. <laughs> so it's a bit dangerous. A little bit. Um, I think the hemp bill, you know, cut that down quite a bit. Obviously there's legalization is just, you know, the green wave is taking over. I don't think there's any way to stop the legalization of cannabis and the hemp plant completely anymore. Yeah. Um, but in the meantime, you know, people are, positioning for whether that's their own uh, business benefits. So you have a lot of places that, you know, you literally, there's kind of pay to play type of opportunities that are available for people and, and people aren't going to give away their uh, positions of power for free, basically. So uh, power is a hard thing to part with. <laughs> it's definitely a hard thing to part with. And especially when you know someone else or you feel as though someone else is going to come in and take advantage of this opportunity and get rich off of it. Mm. Everyone's trying to figure out how they get their piece of it. So I think it'll all get worked out. It's time is not ever a good thing for a business to be kind of waiting. But uh, the way I'm trying to position our brand right now is to be in a position to really take advantage of the opportunity once the regulation kind of normalizes. So really kind of try to build a ground up organic brand that people can trust and follow and 
as the regulations kind of come in alignment, we can expand more efficiently, you know, put more fuel to the fire as, they, as we go. Well, it's obviously a very pioneering field and your your business must be a pioneering one. I mean, you might, you might be consulting with a shaman at some point in the future. This stuff is so, you know, where do we go from here? You know, it's so yeah. like, and like you said, there's no experts, you know, I, I guess a shaman would be as much as an expert as anyone. <laughs> you know, if you go into that, whatever well, I think it's like the kettlebell world. If you looked at the kettlebell world 10 years ago, when we started the brand, people would think there's no experts, but I think there are experts on the ground. They just don't, they don't really care about the publicity. They've always been in a gray to black market type of situation where they can't even really speak about their expertise as, right. as deeply as they would like to. They don't, right. you know, they don't want to draw more attention to things right. that may be potentially legally uh, damning. And so you, you find yourself in a situation where you have people who have been in these industries for 30, 40 years, but the mainstream public doesn't really know who they are. And I think that's one of the lessons I learned with the kettlebell world is you have to find these people and, and really be able to vet and bring these people together so you can get the most information from everybody. So I work with a team now and I have a network of people very similar to I have in the kettlebell world in the hemp and the cannabis space that also helped me uh, choose which direction is the right direction, not just for my company, but also for the consumer base. Because I think that's what it boils down to at the end of the day is we want to bring the highest quality product to the consumer market. And if you have that as a foundation, it makes it really hard to kind of go wrong. You, you know, that's always the guiding light is if the United States government or the state of Texas or the county of Austin doesn't understand how to do something. We we genuinely want to already be the expert in showing them how to do it. Very interesting. Okay, let's take a moment to hear from our sponsor and we'll come right back with Chad Price. This episode of Self-Help Coaching is brought to you by Perphysio. Poor finances are the leading cause of stress, divorce, and general troubles. Financial managers, coaches, and consultants are great, but responsibility rests with you. There are new answers. Visit www.perphysio.io. That's P-E-R-F-I-C-I-O dot I-O, where you can truly learn the foundational attitudes and methods of accruing wealth and staying wealthy. You're listening to the Self-Help Coaching Podcast with me, your host, Tony Petroso. We're having a fascinating conversation with bold entrepreneur, Chad Price. Great stuff. He's really illuminating a, a number of facets about his fields and his businesses, the challenges and the landscape. Very interesting stuff. Very informative for the entrepreneur. My next question, you have several businesses as, I, as you just described. What type of mindset mentality do you need to have to manage multiple profitable businesses? Um, I think you, you need to really understand that building a team of good resources is kind of essential. You, you know, you can't, you can't do it all by yourself. There's, there's no way to really do that. And I think that's a mistake that you can make as an entrepreneur, whether you, you know, you think you can carry all the weight by yourself or you think you have enough time to do it all by yourself. And I think the time part is what really kind of boils, what it boils down to is, you know, if you're trying to manage multiple operations, each operation can, you could spend your entire day on, on one operation. So 
you have to have people in place that can fill in those gaps for you when you're going to be missing or when you're going to be, you know, allocating your time elsewhere. And so right now, I think that's the, the biggest obstacle that I have to always overachieve is continuing to build that team and continuing to um, being able to fund and incentivize the, that team to, to really do whatever vision that I have or execute the, on all the goals that we have as a team. Right, you got to give incentives that work that work for them. You know, that actually work for them. That we might think something incentivizes, but doesn't resonate with the person. It's not just money. You know, there's other things too that make that really get you know, get people going. And, you know, and I'm very fortunate. You know, I I happen to be a, a very lazy person, so I want to delegate everything. I don't care. The last thing I want to do is micromanage. Matter of fact, I don't want to do anything. Wake me up when <laughs> later on. You know, but you know, obviously. Everyone's got to do something. Um, and delegation is critical, as you just talked about. Now, and I, you, we, you talked about two businesses. Uh, do, you, do you have just two right now? Do you have? So my, I guess my, I guess I would have a couple other businesses as well. So I have a consulting company as well, in which basically I consult on uh, e-commerce, direct-to-consumer type of operations. So really anything when it comes to the virtual world or, uh, selling products online that's kind of my area of expertise that's great especially especially in the fitness space um, and then I'm also getting into and I wouldn't definitely wouldn't consider myself expert but I, uh, I have a real estate investment company also so I'm trying great. to kind of learn quite a bit more about that and I, wow. I put a kind of small team together that's vetting properties and and we're uh, trying to kind of think about how we're going to build a portfolio of real estate properties as well are these all LLCs or uh, what's their structure? Uh, some, so I guess some of the, most of them are LLCs. Some of them are, you know, S, 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 uh, S Corp. Okay, very good. Excellent. Now, which, which do you prefer personally? Do you like the Corp? Do you like? It, for me, honestly, it doesn't really matter. It's whatever works best for my tax benefits. So depending in when you're in the hemp space or especially in the cannabis space, you're probably going to lean more towards a corporation to to limit your tax liabilities for yourself personally, as well as kind of separate yourself, uh, your personal liability from the company liability. So it's just a little easier with, without a pass through LLC like that. Uh, but for me, uh, I'm the type of person when it comes to regulations, because I operate on a global scale, I find it somewhat comical, all the different regulations, because it's just... You know, it's just a bunch of paperwork, to be honest. So, yeah. yeah. But this is an audio podcast. I'm holding up my fingers like across, yeah. like a vampire. Ugh. I, I, ugh. So, yeah, I have, I have an accountant that I work with. I have several different lawyers, um, you know, tax accounts. Um, basically, I have a, a network of financial people that I will go and get uh, a strategy from. And then I'll just execute whatever strategy that, that they say I should do. Well, what about dealing with boards of directors? Uh, do you find, can you just share on that? You know, maybe the difficulties or the things you don't like about it? Well, it's honestly, I, I have some experience dealing with boards of directors and from a sales perspective, because, you know, I'm trying to get B2B accounts and super large accounts from, you know, other companies. But then recently, um, the, my kettlebell kings of company was acquired and through with that acquisition we're working with a larger brand so 
you know, it's a three-year acquisition or it's probably going to turn into a little longer deal than that. But we are working with, uh, you know, a, a, a brand or a company that has dozens or even hundreds of brands, let's say. And, you know, we're part of that, that team. So now we're working with a board and a corporate structure. That's a lot different than, than what we're used to. So I think there's, you know, there's pros and cons to it. Theoretically, you have more resources and you know more financial backing, and you can execute on a larger scale. Um, but then you 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 know with that you can't be as agile maybe as as you as you'd like to be, and you can't be as uh, let's say free spirited as as you would have when you when you when it's just you or just you on a small team. So I think it's one of those things you just have to adjust and you know understand it's it's not going to be the same if you're having to deal with a board versus, you know, three to four people that, that are all the final decision makers. And you give up a lot of autonomy. I mean, you, you're not, you don't call the shots anymore. You gotta, you gotta report or, you know, answer or report to somebody or at least take some instruction or, or if not orders guidance, because now like you said you've been bought out. How, and that's, how's that dynamical change? It's, uh, it's, it's interesting. I mean, for me, it's one of those things where I don't ever look at things as necessarily good or bad. I think, you know, they're, they're, it's just trade-offs to everything. Mm. So some things require more uh, effort than I'd like to give. And then other things I can allow the corporate resources to take care of that maybe used to, used to would have had to take care of. So um, I still see it as, you know, I'm still the general has to use the, the, the army that I have and the tools that I have in front of me. So if I'm, you know, in this corporate structure, then, you know, I need to be able to assess what's the best way for me to operate efficiently inside that structure. And if there's something I need to change and I need to speak up and change that. And if there's something that uh, they need me to do, I just need to, you know, adjust my, my strategy to incorporate it. Now you're in Texas. And obviously you were an athlete. Um, did you study business in college or wherever? Oh. I, I did. So yeah, I, I double majored in business and <clears throat> sports management. Yeah, you um, seem to have quite a quite a good grip on on both. So there you go. Yeah, my, I mean, my original. I think I always knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but uh, you know, I, I did kind of take the corporate America route. So. I worked in oil and gas for a little while. Oh. I uh, I worked in downtown Houston and working there, I think is what really made me jump in with both feet to, you know, to entrepreneurship. So getting into the corporate world and realizing like, no, this is, this is not going to be long-term for me, or this is not where I envision myself for the next 20 years, uh, really kind of sparked my, my journey. So you went to school for it. Uh, when did you, I mean, I, just because uh, someone goes to school for, you know, for business, they can either think about being an employee, you know, probably maybe dreaming of the C-suite or whatever, probably, or becoming an entrepreneur like you did. What were your dreams like back in your college days in terms of business? I knew I always wanted to run a very, uh, let's say, profitable or uh, a reputable operation. So if that was for a, a large company, like, a, you know, some, some huge brand, I, I was interested in that, but I knew I needed to have some type of team that I was kind of working with to achieve large goals. And after, like I say, working in oil and gas and kind of seeing how that corporate structure worked and 
what was necessary to climb there. It really, it really just guaranteed my 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 journey into entrepreneurship. So once once I saw that, like you know, there was more uh, politicking and and different aspects of a corporate structure that you had to climb, and you know, waiting in line, seniority, different things like that. It just wasn't the same as being able to actually go compete right now and kind of prove yourself on the entrepreneurship playing field, so to speak. Um, I'm able to kind of skip those efforts. And if I want to get back into corporate America, I, I always can, but kind of at a different level as, a, as an entrepreneur or as a CEO versus as a, uh, an employee who climbed through the ranks. Now, okay, so you've worked in the corporate world and you're an entrepreneur now. Have, have you know, people move on? Have, have you had, had businesses, your businesses that you've moved on from, maybe sold or defunct? Uh, yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I, yeah, I, once I just started opening my own businesses, it was, you know, it was, it was all, all go for me. So it was, there was, there was no idea that was a bad idea. Let's, let's do everything. So uh, actually I owned a nail salon when I, when I started my fitness company, I opened up a nail salon as well. And I shut that down right before COVID. Uh, it was actually, it, it did well, just it was a ball and chain and it was a, a physical location. And obviously COVID kind of, uh, put a lot of stops on anyone with a physical location. So it, it was one of those things where even those journeys like that taught me so much about, you know, building communities, dealing with customers, um, what types of operational costs are associated with having a physical footprint versus a virtual company. Um, so it's just, that's why I say I don't look at any kind of step in this process as a negative. I always see everything as, you know, this is a like paid education and my customers are paying for me to learn how to do things right. <laughs> That's an excellent framing of it, Chad. Excellent framing. Let's take a, a final break to hear from our sponsor and we'll come, come back with the unfortunate last segment with Chad Price. This episode of Self-Help Coaching is brought to you by Perficio. Perficio learns more about you as you make progress and then uses that information to help you even more. It is quasi-AI. Visit www.perficio.io. That's P-E-R-F-I-C-I-O dot I-O, where you can be helped by something that learns more about you because that is the difference that makes the difference. You are listening to the Self-Help Coaching Podcast with me, your host, Tony Petroza. This has been a fantastic conversation with Chad Price about sports and entrepreneurialism and other parts of his businesses that aren't even sports. Um, but let's get into, let's, 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 I'm, I think this has been a very valuable conversation for people interested in business, especially people that have been athletes, but not just certainly. But how do you go about starting your own business and turning ideas or products profitable? Let's go, let's go back to the genesis. Sure. Um, for me, it was, you know, I look at things as kind of making commitments to myself mm -hmm. at first, and then I, I start there. So for me, it was, I knew I wanted to start my own business, and I knew I, was, I wasn't completely experienced enough uh, to know all aspects. So I wanted to put a team, a small team together to start a business with. That started with two of my business partners. 
So went to my business partners and decided, you know, let's get some serious commitments together. Uh, we, uh, we all had different ideas about what companies we might want to start. We said, let's, you know, let's start an LLC. Let's put a deposit into the LLC and, and really make some commitments about uh, hard deadlines and, and making those decisions. So took about six to, let's say, six to eight months to kind of go through all of our ideas. And we knew we wanted to do something e-commerce. That was that made it a lot easier. Um, once we narrowed it down to kind of a final list of ideas, we decided, you know, we're going to make a decision in the next 30 to 30, 60 days. And, and we're going to spend the money that we deposited towards starting that company. A lot of it is just the initial setup and the, you know, purchasing inventory and, and trying to make sure you have a good, um, let's say, runway for, for a good launch. But our experience is kind of and backgrounds kind of set us up for that. So I'd already been in e-commerce. I'd already uh, worked for several other entrepreneurs in my collegiate career and, and just seen so many kind of behind the scenes operations that I felt confident that I could at least get this started and we could grow from there. So I think that's, that's the, the gist of how, how we got started. But if you're an entrepreneur in general and you're trying to start any idea, I really do think it's about that first step of making a commitment to yourself and, and really kind of building that, uh, building that stage for yourself to be able to commit full time to some type of operation outside of what you're used to. So you, the example you gave, you collectivized, you got partners and they said, okay, this is the, what then you made a decision on what field to go to, which is very interesting. And so for you, I mean, definitely there was the, the, the self first, but it was getting some people that you know that would be quality people, partners, and then have a consensus and saying, let's do this. That, that's, that's great. And I tell you, I've had a number of partners and for the most part, they kind of suck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, know, uh, you know it's rare when you have a good partner and i think a, a good partner could make or break you yeah uh well i mean i think that's the beauty in it as well and I, i've always liked that part you know i tell people all the time i had you know a hundred teammates let's say when i was in college and i didn't like them all at all <laughs> but uh if we all committed to the same goal that i think that's what we can build around and in the world in general i think we all you know share 90 plus percent of the same ideas and we differ on the the ones that we differ on and mm. a lot of time that it gets in the way of actually achieving things and and uh actually making progress so finding people who can at least put things aside and set things aside and uh, setting up structures to still make decisions. So like for us, it was having three of us, which is just a voting process now. It doesn't, doesn't have to be personal. It's just if we get into something where, you know, we, we have two different directions and we have to choose one, we put it up for a vote and we go in that direction. And for me, that's very similar to like football or another sport where you don't get to pass every time. You don't get to run every time. I don't get to blitz every time. It's Sometimes I get my I get my chance, and other times I have to give someone else a chance, and I like that part of it as well. What was your position in football? I mean, in in college I played safety, but you know I played football my entire life, so I pretty much played every position except <laughs> except quarterback. I was a safety too, <laughs> very good, and a cornerback. Um, final question, Chad. 
How do you use digital tools to run a modern day e-commerce business? Um, I mean, I would consider that kind of my area of expertise. You know, I uh, actually work with Google on this exact topic of, of using digital tools to, to run modern day e-commerce operations. And I think you just, you kind of have to jump in. It's just like with any digital tool, there are so many different pieces of autonomy that are out there and available. And it's about kind of putting those pieces together and seeing which works for your operation. Uh, it's almost, you know, we're in 2022. So the, the vision that we had as kids of how we could automate as many pieces of an operation and how we could uh, basically connect as many pieces of technology that are available it's it's available to do now. And I really pride myself in, in being able to do that, not just for myself, but I know it'll bring a better user experience for the customers and for the community that I'm trying to build. So I almost look at it as, you know, taking every single piece of technology that's available on the internet and then trying to sort through that in a way that I can build an operation around. And, you know, at times, I think when we were, uh, working with Google, we were using like 29 or 30 different Google, Google tools inside the business. But to us, it just becomes like a, a standard. It's, you know, we, we see ourselves as always trying new, new pieces of technology, always trying to see how those pieces can integrate with everything else we're doing and, and really not shying away from kind of that as the experience. Because I think at the end of the day, we all see how much technology has changed our lives and, it's only accelerating. Great stuff. Chad, this has been, I think, a very, very valuable conversation for people to listen to. You offered so much insight into entrepreneurialism. Um, and I think that you might even get people interested in it that, that word because you, you made it so accessible. Uh, and I really appreciate it. Great stuff, man. You've, you've, you've lived a great life, man. Keep living it. And I'd like people to go to your website. I know it's chadprice.com, uh, but you, there's, you also are on social media. We're going to have a profile page on our, on our website with all your stuff. But uh, on social media, you have um, the uh, the kettlebell business. What, what is what is your, your your tag on that? Yeah, so you can follow me. Obviously, um, I have chadprice.com, real chadprice on, on Instagram. And then as well, I have uh, kettlebellkings.com and kettlebellkings is on social media, huge, huge following, a lot of fitness content, uh, everything around the kettlebell world, as well as Life Grows Green. Um, and that's on social media as well. And that's, uh, you're going to find a lot of content around the hemp, around plant, around um, nature and, and natural products. Basically, uh, we, you know, we really want to try to create natural products that that break that stigma of what cannabis and, and hemp should be used for. It's been my pleasure to interview you, Chad. I really appreciate it. Do you have any final remarks for the audience? No, I really appreciate uh, all the questions today. Very, very thoughtful and insightful. So I, I hope it was helpful and uh, thanks for having me on. Thank you, sir. And remember everyone, we're all responsible for ourselves and we could all use a little help. With that, thanks for listening to the Self-Help Coaching Podcast. And thank you, Chad Price. Thank you for tuning in to the Self-Help Coaching Podcast, where insights, attitudes, and methods for success get illuminated. 
Learn what leaders and change workers have done and are doing now to create magnificent futures. Remember to visit our website at self-helpcoaching.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Self-Help Coaching Podcast.